These are the Keishi Tapes. You, Man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country. Welcome to the Keishi Tapes podcast, John Hewlett and Favaz. Yeah! Yeah! Woo! Man, we're on a roll. We got some good old interviews from the year 1982-ish, and we're, we're mining some of these interviews from a guy named Jack Silver, who used to be on the radio here at KC95 in St. Louis. He used to do a weekend show called The Rock Report. He'd have rock stars call him during the week. He'd interview them uh, loosely, not live on the air, and then take parts of those interviews and put them in this feature. Yes. So that's this is another one of those interviews where Jack's just, uh, you know, shooting the shit. And we make fun of him. Well, yeah, because sometimes, yeah, sometimes he gets down on these artists. Tell, speak up! I can't hear you. Uh, you know, uh, more enthusiasm. What's wrong with you? So. He doesn't say what's wrong. No, with No, he you, doesn't but, say that. But, but it, sound, uh, it comes off that way. So, who are we doing today? To do Simon Kirk from uh, Bad Company. Oh, Simon. Oh, uh, I just uh, read a story about him today. Uh, as a matter of fact, that he says that Bad Company's touring days that they will do a tour are over. Yeah, they yeah, might yeah. do a one-off. Here oh. or whatever, but uh, he said that with Paul Rogers, uh, you know uh, his strokes and everything, and, and Mick Ralphs had a stroke, 2016. Yeah. His left side of his body is paralyzed. They, they won't be doing it. So, but how's his health? He's okay. He's, he's okay. I, I guess. Yeah. You know. So. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, this interview um, again comes from the year 1982. Abouts. And I don't know what Bad Company was doing at that particular time. Um, let me check real fast mm. here. Um, so 80, 82-ish. Rough Diamonds came out in 1982. So that was the last. That was the last one. The last one with uh, Paul Rogers. And then after that, uh, Brian Howe came in and right. sang on Fame and Fortune. Yeah. That was 86. Yeah. So, yeah. They that were, was good stuff, too. Yeah, let's see. Maybe they get into all that here in, yeah. this, uh, in this interview. Here we go. Let's see. That's the best way. So I tell you what, I have the tape rolling. So I, I, I'd like to just. And again, this is on reel to reel tape. That's what you're hearing. Yes, yes. Uh, just bust right in. Okay, okay. And talk about some things. Okay, first of all. Uh, it sounds like you just ran to the microphone. I know. He. he... <laughs> Jack Buck told me a long time ago never, never run, run to a microphone, or, or eat. Yeah, or eat. Or eat. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Eating bad. You have been in the business. Uh, a couple Although when I do Cardinal games, I eat throughout the entire you do, game. You do. I've seen you. <laughs> of years. And People give me trouble all the time down there. You just ate a seven-course meal during the course of this three-and-a-half-hour ball game. And now that the games are going faster, I have to eat quicker. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And you've been through about, to the best of my knowledge, probably three decades worth of, of music. I was wondering if you could just key in on some of the changes that you might have uh, that you might have been been observing uh, that that have leapt out to you. Well, um, let me start by saying that I pr I started my professional career in 1969, so I came in on the tail end of the 60s. Um, when everything was very sort of psychedelic, um, and it was all love and peace and flowers, and, uh, you know, it, it, it went on from there uh, up through the 70s and, and now the 80s. I, yeah, I have seen a lot of changes. Uh, I've seen it go... That, that, was a, that was a good question he asked. Yeah. You know, changes. 
you know, that 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 he has seen. And mm-hmm. this was back in 1982. Yeah. I can imagine today what he might say. Oh, but, my gosh. But back then, I, I don't know. Yeah, at least back then, 82, thinking about the year 69, probably had a, 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 a decent memory about what was. Right. That, that's not that long. It's 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. Go um, reach a peak in the mid-70s and then kind of slump off. I guess you you mainly mean uh, musical changes. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, that that would be almost too too difficult to uh, to document. But I could say that. By the way, Simon Kirk is the drummer of Bad Company. Of yes. Bad Company, and yeah. he has one of my he wrote one of my favorite songs. Yeah, from Bad Weep Which, No More. Yeah, Weep No More. Oh, fantastic! Great too. song. Love that song. Uh, it it seems to have gone almost full circle. Because uh, in the 60s, apart from the, the love the love and peace thing, you know, it, it was very poppy. You know, there's a lot of pop records around. Right. And, uh, and then that kind of faded out into the early 70s when you got a, a lot of hard rock and heavy rock. And progressive rock, CP says yes. that. Because the prog rock stuff in the early 70s was huge. Yep. And then... Uh, and now, like it's come out sort of full circle. Now we have bands like uh, Culture Club, Duran Duran, Band <laughs> Out Ballet. It, it's funny to hear him talk about those bands back yeah. in the eighties because they, they were popular. Yeah, you know, ABC, and they're all Human League, and you know, it seems there are some Human League songs I like. There's some songs by all the uh, Duran Duran. I love yeah, some yeah. of those songs. Yeah, what, what's the song from Duran Duran? It might off the top of your head. Um, Human Hungry League. Like the Wolf. Oh yeah, that's not a bad song. Hungry like the wolf. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. England now is uh, back on a sort of pop thing. Oh. Yeah, good. No, that that is that's exactly what I was hoping that you would uh, speak to because it has seemed to to come full circle and back to uh, kind of I don't want to say the roots, but kind of the, the, the where it began back in in, in the late '60s, etc. Be- yeah, I mean it's like. Um, it's like when, when the Beatles were at their height in 68. Now, um, people who probably were only just born are buying Beatles albums and saying, you know, that, what a great group they were. I remember Bill Wyman, uh, I had occasion to, to uh, speak to him, and he told me about their, their tour last year. And uh, some kids came up to him at the end of a concert and said, uh, you know, I've been a fan of yours from way back, you know, mm-hmm. when you started out with Black and Blue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You know, Bill Wyman, and they, yeah, yeah. the bass player for the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Black and Blue. Hmm. Do you know what he's really talking right. about? He's talking about the album Black and Blue by uh, I, I don't, Rolling by Stones. The Stones. I don't know. Yeah, I was... I wasn't quite listening. Well, I, I know you weren't. What That's did he say? Well, he mentioned Black and Blue, so that was a, an album That's, by it's the an Stones? Album. Yeah, Stones oh, album, okay. yeah. yeah. Right. Black and Blue was probably their 20th record. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, that is funny. We do have a new generation of, uh, of kids just getting into some of, the, some of that, that, that music. If I could ask you one quick question concerning Bad Company, um, so as not to dwell on that topic, but I was wondering if you could just give us... The, the scoop. What is the state of Bad Company as we are speaking right now? Ooh, good question. Oh, man, man, man. By the way, a Human League song I liked a lot was Human. I probably like that one too. Yeah, I, yeah. I I don't know the name of it. Yeah. Uh, in existence, uh, Jack, because 
we um, we've all sort of gone our separate ways, uh, but we still sort of keep in contact with each other. Um, Paul Rogers and Mick Ralphs have solo albums that are uh, due to be released this year, uh, and there are really no plans for the continuation of Bad Company. Okay. Hmm. Whoa. Whoa. For That's what then? he's saying back then. He just told you the exact same thing now for different reasons. Well, well I mean, Paul. Ro- I mean, I interviewed Paul Rogers about a month or so ago, and he he didn't he didn't say that, you know, per se. Uh, what I I read that that Simon Kirk said that they were probably finished. Yeah. Today. Yeah. As a matter of fact, and he just said that there. Yeah, and he just said it in 1982. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on weird weird yeah here's the song that's human league yeah i'm only human oh oh they yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's a good song yeah, yeah. and blood mm-hmm. okay. oh we can't play that in the podcast oh, oh well oh well, just a few Who seconds cares? Sue us humanly. Yeah. I'll watch him do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, let's, let's turn our attention now to your new project, Wildlife, and Boy, very, he, a very exciting one. Huh? He sure he, didn't he spend a lot of right time. Over, yeah. He was like, okay. Yeah, he glossed right over that. Jack! Come on, man. Come on. Speak up. Come on. Yeah. Don't be shy. <laughs> For sure, it was... It was uh, it was quite anticipated by the by the radio community here in the United States, and I was wondering when you were, when you had the germ of the idea of wildlife, how did it evolve, and how did you pick out the, the specific band members that you do have? Well, they really picked me out because uh, wildlife was in existence um, a couple of years ago, um, and it consisted of Steve and Chris Overland and Mark Booty and uh, a bass player and drummer. All household names, John. (laughs) And then last year, they came to London looking for a new bass player and drummer um, with a view to uh, having a a sort of different band. And uh, I, as luck would have it, I heard their demo cassette. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I said, wow, I would really like to play drums. Uh, on this because I could I could already hear what it would sound like. We uh, we auditioned several bass players and we got uh, we got Philip Susan, uh, who'd never really been in in any band before. And um, with that, we went into the rehearsal studios and we rehearsed all the songs uh, for about three weeks, and then we went straight into the recording studio. See and now, now the album, and as I mentioned, here in St. Louis, we're, we're having great success with the record. Someone has told me you've been doing some songwriting that you're pretty proud of. Wait, wait, wait which, which record are we talking about here? It, it, I guess the Simon Kirk solo record. Oh, back in 1982. <clears throat> John's looking that up right now. Simon Kirk solo record. How'd that do? Do you have any clue? I don't know what it's called, and I don't know what it did. <laughs> I'm being facetious. <laughs> Simon Kirk discography. Uh, 1982-ish. <clears throat> 82-ish. Come on. Solo. No. 
It, no. N- no nothing came out? No. He was in a band. I don't know. He played on something. 83, Wildlife. That's what they're talking wildlife. about. Wildlife. Wildlife. Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. Was that the name of the... Uh, That's the name of the group. The group? Yeah. Oh, Wildlife. Then after that, he was in a group called Lone Rider. Never heard of them. No. Hmm. Um, what, what kind of writing... Kind and for Jack to say this album's getting great response, and I don't remember it. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember us playing it. Uh, I guess maybe he was just trying to pump him up a little bit to get the... Keep the interview going. He was being nice. Being nice, yes. Contributions <laughs> did you make to this record? And then, what kind of writing are you planning for the future? Well, my own self, um, my contribution to the Wildlife album was um, I, I contributed one song, Charity, which I wrote. And also, I helped uh, with the arrangement for all the other songs. And I also wrote the B-side to the single, Somewhere in the Night. Uh, the B-side is called uh, Sun Don't Shine. Uh, and I've been writing, you know, for a number of years now. I, I had songs on some of the Bad Co albums. Weep no more. Uh, Come on, say it, say know, it, say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My songwriting is not very prolific. No. I write, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, four or five songs a year. I certainly would like to write more, uh, but I guess I'm a bit lazy. I don't know what it is. (laughs) But at the moment, I'm writing... um, I have enough songs for a solo album, which I'd like to do, uh, you know, maybe with some friends when I get some time. Mm. You know, I had Paul Simon... Or Paul Simon, Paul Rogers, and Simon Kirk in the studio with me in 1999. And... um, I'll never forget, I, yeah. you know, saying Bad Company, one of my favorite songs is Weep No More. And Paul said, the guy that wrote it is sitting right there on my right. And it was Simon Kirk. Yeah. It yeah, was really cool. I'm, I've looked over uh, his, his, his uh, their Bad Company's catalog, and that's the only song he wrote that got any kind of recognition oh. whatsoever. Paul's voice on that is just so good, and the lyrics oh, are... No. yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, he did co-write "Bad Company," the song oh. "Bad Company" with with Paul Rogers. Hmm. So those are the two songs that he had any kind of uh, writing credits on that turned out uh, good. Speaking of time, um, pro- most most musicians, the, the the biggest reason they don't have a lot of time is because of the fact that they're on tour. What are the wa- touring plans for Wildlife? Will there be a United States tour? Yes. Um, this is why he called to promote that album. Wildlife. Wildlife. Wow. That band from that album. Never or, heard of that it. That album from that band, yeah. We're in the, in the middle of putting together uh, a tour now where we hope to come over in September and maybe tour through September and October. <laughs> and I've got to say that uh, the guys in the band are, are looking forward so much to coming over because they've never been in America before. But they're a big fan of uh, a lot of American bands. So I guess, you know, they can't wait to to meet the people that influenced them, you know, on their rise. And that that brings up kind of an interesting point in that, okay, you are the veteran. Do do you almost feel as, uh, you know, and I, for lack of a better phrase, do you feel like a father figure to these guys? Or, in other words, do do they... kind of milk you for the experience that you've had? Uh, well, they don't necessarily... Mi- milk me? 
John. They, they, they tend to look to me for... Um, I wasn't, I wasn't aware that Simon for, for, Kirk had some teats. <laughs> <laughs> and guidance, you know, uh, which is only natural. There's, there's about a 10-year age difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of experience, as I said, they've never been uh, to America, and I've been going to America f- uh, since 1969. So, yeah, I have a lot of experience over them. But I don't think of myself as a father figure. Uh, you know, I have trouble growing a beard. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm learning a lot from them. Yeah. They're very young, they're very fresh, very eager, and very, very talented. Yeah. Uh, and they've turned me on to bands like Toto. Toto? Toto. Toto. You know, bands that, and the tubes. Oh, yeah. The, the tubes. tubes from San Francisco, wow. California. Yes, yes. Bands that I necessarily w- would not have uh, listened to. Yeah. So, in a way, we're sort of trading licks with each other. I see. You know, that brings up another. Right, teats, licks. Wow, hair, John, you're. Uh, no, what the heck? Your mind is in the gutter this today, is John. Terrible, terrible. Wow. I'll just have a few more questions for you. Um, Simon, you mentioned some of the, the pop bands, the culture clubs, and the Duran Durans, which is so big in England. And again, I've never been there, but I, I kind of watch the charts. But then a Wildlife album is released, and to me, it, it's very, I don't want to say an American sound, but it is, it's very pure rock sound. How come these Overland brothers were not as influenced by that pop scene and didn't come out with an album that sounded like the rest of those, but it, but more the uh, the mainstay American rock and roll sound. Can you? Can you... Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why did these guys, these younger guys who joined you, not want to be a part of that hip cool scene? Instead, they wanted to record with you, but some boring straight ahead rock that nobody really cares about. Okay. That's kind of what he was asking. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Oh, uh, Jack. That's mainly because. I think if you... Because I'm paying them. <laughs> ...to look at their record collection, it would consist of just about all the, the major uh, American bands that have been so popular in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, a lot of Bad Company and, and Zeppelin mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, bands like that. It's, yeah. So, it's just that, in other words, that was the music that they are... They just weren't wrapped up in, in, in the English scene. They were more into the American bands, and so then that, that's what influenced their music. That is correct. I see. Okay. All right, and finally, as really, and you know, you are known as one of rock's more respected drummers, and, and, and it goes with the territory because Bad Company was such a legend. From behind your drum kit, who do you see as some of the better drummers going these days and, and, and the importance of, of... This should be interesting. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Let's see, is John Bonham still alive at this point? No, he's not. No, he's dead, yeah. Um, Uh, Keith Moon's dead. 1982, so, uh, um, boy, I... I, I, Let's see what he says. Let's see. Of a good drummer in a a rock band. Stuart Copeland of the police is a hell of a drummer. Oh, yeah, he is. See if he mentions that. Who else, who do you you think he might? Uh, Uh, I mean, I I think of Steve Smith of Journey... You, you know, think he'll bring you, up? Oh yeah, because you've got the album out right here. You think he'll bring up Ringo? 
Uh, he no, might. He might. I don't. No? Because Ringo's highly respected, even though he didn't have to do a lot in the Beatles, a lot of the Beatles' music. You know, just kind of keep Well, you know, and, you know, he can be compared to the guy from the Rolling Stones that croaked. Yeah. Charlie Watts. Charlie Watts, yeah. Yeah. Well, the first question, I think Phil Collins is a very good drummer. Phil Collins. Yeah, Phil Collins. He is a good drummer. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to sing behind, to sit on that drum kit the way he did it and, and sing was fantastic. Now, eventually he got out from behind the drums and he was the lead singer. And, you know, on live shows, right. he'd, he'd be on stage singing and just in front of the microphone. But Mike Stewart Copeland. Was <gasps> hey, Mary, he mentioned one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and um, Roger Taylor. Oh, oh yes, yes, Queen. Queen, absolutely. Oh yeah, good one, good one, Simon. Now, I like his drumming a lot. And then, and then um, let him go, Jack. Let him go. I, and I, We're playing a game come here. Come on, here, Jack. <laughs> I'm afraid I don't know the names of many American drummers, but I had Neil Peart. Oh, oh, how did we not say Neil Peart? How could Peart? we let that go? I have to give my point back. All right. Is is very good. Of Rush. Yes, a rush. Now, the second part of your question was, I'm sorry. Uh, basically, the importance of, is it still, it always seemed in, in, in you know, okay, the John Bonhams and, uh, and uh, the, uh, the, the Keith Moons of rock in those days, and the Simon Kirks made, made these rock bands sound so good. Do you think the importance of the drummers is still the way it always has been? Because... Have you ever seen the Stray Cats, for example? They they have a drum. <laughs> they have a drummer. Yes. Well, got- I know. Um, you'll have to edit that. <laughs> no, I haven't. But I know that, that he he's a stand-up drummer. Yeah. Um, and I think he just uses a snare and a bass drum. Yeah. Yeah. Who I mean, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, do, do you know his drummer name? Drummer for the Stray Cats. I don't remember. No. Well, let it play. Yeah, let it play. Let it play. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's phenomenal. But. Going back to what we said about, uh, you know, music going full circle, that was the, the type of drums that we used in the skiffle and the old early rock and roll bands in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elvis's band... Slim Jim Phantom. Phantom. So Phantom, Phantom. and... and what Fa- Phantom that? Rocker and Slick. Fa- yes. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that yeah. was the album. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, his drummer had a bloke called Jim classics. Black on drums. And all he used was a, a bass drum and a snare and a couple of brushes and uh, maybe a cymbal. Let's see. Uh, uh, but actually, getting back to, to what we were saying, uh, the role of a drummer has not really changed that much. He is still basically um, to provide a, a rhythmic feel to the band uh, and someone who can um, suggest uh, light and shade in a band, and uh, it, he basically has to be the anchor man uh, around which the rest of the band revolves. Right. Well, that that does answer the question, and I just want to say one other thing. It's interesting. I I think I did an interview with the drummer of the Little River Band, and when I do interview drummers, I always like to find out who their favorites are, and. Everyone thus far has mentioned Stuart Copeland somewhere in there. He must be. Uh-huh. Yes, so you're, you're right on target. <laughs> All right. So I do pre- I appreciate the thoughts. And before I let you go, I'll 
So all if right. you feel comfortable, go ahead and oh, take here right we go. Yeah, all right. Time to cut so, the so he might say, speak up! Yeah. <laughs> here come the Casey promos. All right. uh, things like, uh, hey, when I, I, I'm listening to Casey 95, even though he's in London. You know, I was like, <laughs> come on, man. Well, what, what about the bumper stickers, too? License to rock. <laughs> you know, if you have a bumper sticker on, you're licensed to rock. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of thought that one was good, though. Oh. You didn't like that one? No, I didn't. No. <laughs> that was cheese. Casey 95 crams your ass. Now, what was that? Uh, that Jams your jams ass your in ass. Weird <laughs> little <Yeah>. jelly jars. <laughs> this is Simon Kirk, and here's a cut from my bad days on St. Louis's best rock. Bad days. Bad days. Bad, bad company bad, days. Bad, I guess so. He was doing a little, uh, little hmm. creativity there from hmm. Simon. The tape is rolling. Okay. Hi, this is Simon Kirk, the drummer with Wildlife. <laughs> Sorry, I'll do that again. Okay. Hi, this is Simon Kirk, the drummer with Wildlife. Who? And here's a track from our album on St. Louis's best rock, KC95. Thanks. And then we never played it. <laughs> 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 I, I swear to God, I don't remember us playing that. I don't, I don't probably remember probably did. We probably did. Jack I was 17 we, years old. I, yeah. I, I don't. I listened to Casey. I don't remember. Yeah. That. I mean, Jack wouldn't have said that if we you, weren't You playing. worked here, so. He, he, and Jack was music director at that time, too. So he oh, probably he was. was. We were, probably were playing. It just didn't go anywhere. Oh. Quickly. <laughs> Is that it? I don't know. That's it. All right. All right. We can well, stop the uh, tape. I'm just going to let it roll okay. just in case something else pops up while we're wrapping this thing up. All right. Well, there Simon you go. Kirk. Simon Kirk. Now, this is, this is the second time we've had him on the podcast, right? Um, I don't know. Okay. I, it, yeah. it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, one of the great drummers of all time in Bad Company. I mean, I, I, I just I can remember back like when that first album came out, the second album came out, as far as playing rock at high school dances and wedding receptions, mm-hmm. which I used to do a lot. Uh, bad company stuff because of, because of his backbeat, because of the beat, people could dance to it. Yes, so it was, absolutely. it was danceable rock. You had uh, him and you had Paul Rogers. Yeah. What, what could you want? Oh, yeah, yeah. No? Well, all right. Thanks for listening to the Casey Davis Podcast today. I'm John Eulett. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm Johnny Eulett, and I'm Johnny Eulett on the, on the threads thing out of Instagram, too, and I'm on the other social sites as well. And Casey Guy. AMF. Bye. The Casey Tapes with you, man, and Favaz. For more on the history of Casey, go to Casey95.com or the Casey mobile app.